Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Hope you had a nice weekend. It's Baltic, I have to say, uh, driving into work uh, just before mid-morning there. The freezing fog, it is lethal. And I'm just saying to you to begin the show today, please do slow down, keep your distance, Make sure your lights are on. There's no hurry. You'll get to where you need to go. Take a little bit extra. But please, 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 this week, it's going to be with us all week, this tough weather. Take it handy. If you don't have to travel, stay put. That's the advice as well. But really, the conditions are difficult. And it's the first time in a number of years we've had to deal with these conditions. I think I mentioned that in the show late last week. We've had very mild winters the last few. But this is a bit of a shock to people's systems. But please, take care. Wrap up. Keep well and tune into LMFM Radio because we'll keep you going right through the day, I promise you. Don't forget the usual numbers, 086-1800-658 if you want to talk to us on the show today by WhatsApp or text. And we're looking for your Christmas cuties. Yes, we want them to sing for us and when they sing for us, we'll put them out in the airwaves. And if you go out in the airwaves, you could win a €250 gift voucher for Shoe City. Yes, I'm going to tell you more about that in a little while. But we begin the show today with, look, something that comes up from time to time in the hospitality business, and especially restaurants. It's people booking tables and not showing up. And on social media on Friday evening... We spotted Damien Leddy from beautiful Divine Restaurant in Drogheda and he was not a happy camper because a lot of people didn't show up for tables on Friday night. And just before coming on air today, I caught up with Damien and asked him to take the story up from Friday evening last. Friday, a fully booked, um, fully booked restaurant with uh, people on the cancellation list as well. And then it turns out that about... I'd say about 16 to 18 people didn't show up and then upon calling a few people who were late for tables definitely a party of six and another party of four and a two um, just said that they forgot to cancel My forgot to cancel this must just be soul destroying for you guys Yeah I think it was a bit of a it was a shock on the night because you're you're basically prepared with extra people in the kitchen extra people on the floor just to make sure that everybody has the best experience possible and then, of course, when this happens, you know, it just it hits us on all fronts. You know, considering the price of um, everything, every, the way everything's going from electricity to gas, if you look at our energy bills, I'd say they're probably going to go up by 25000 plus a year. Um, and that's, you know, very hard to pass on uh, to customers because there's only so much that people will spend as well. So missing out on that amount of people in one night is a real kick in the teeth, especially at Christmas. So what are you going to do? Um, I, well, I think now, you know, we did put it out that post on social media, which um, was sort of a, a knee-jerk reaction. It really just can't want to get this out as quick as possible to make sure it doesn't happen going forward. But I, I think now, you know, it's definitely going to be uh, forced into taking deposits. You know, it is the line that every, everybody's taken on the, on the social as well to say, look, take deposits. People won't mind paying them. 
obviously to some people, you know, for a party of two, they they don't want to pay for it. You know, I don't think it's any skin off anybody's nose to actually just put, you know, 20 quid ahead off a card or uh, charge a cancellation fee. But then you're faced with other issues as well between is it a cancellation fee? Is it a booking fee? What is it? Because obviously there's, uh, there's laws around it all as well. But I think the biggest thing for me is just to try and raise the awareness and make sure that people, if they book a table, especially at this time of year, in light of everything that the restaurants are going through, either turn up or cancel in a timely manner. You know, if if everybody was in that state of mind, which 95% of people are, um, you know, you don't want to tarnish everybody with the same same brush because obviously we are highly appreciative of all the business that we get and, uh, and all our customers are absolutely excellent. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just an oversight on somebody's behalf and, and potentially it was just coincidental on on Friday night, that the same thing happened to a few people. Maybe the weather, maybe you know different things, but just to raise the awareness and make sure that people are going to turn up or cancel in a timely fashion, as I said. It's a lot of people in one night, in excess of twenty. If you do all the numbers there, did you get any walk-ins to compensate? Yeah, we got a few in, and then we had a few that we did manage to get in off the cancellation list. But of course, sometimes it's just too late for people to react then to come down straight away. So you know, we probably did maybe cover ten of those seats. Um, but still, you know, to miss out on the, on the others is, is a big thing. And it, it also goes towards atmosphere. You know, Bums and Seats creates, you know, the atmosphere and creates mm. that Christmas spirit as well when the place is nice and buzzing. And then if it if it seems a little bit uh, quieter at the times that people weren't uh, didn't arrive in, you know, it it does go towards the entire atmosphere as well. So it is, on every on every scale, it's important that people show up. I don't think people would have an objection to a non-refundable deposit up to a point that you have a time. If you're going to cancel, you need to contact us before this date. I think people would be absolutely fine with that. I suppose, Damien, the difficulty is is where you have a genuine cancellation. Somebody falls ill, you know what I mean, or emergencies. Absolutely. But you, you've no issue with that. No, absolutely not. I, I think that it's just basically the deposit itself would certainly just make sure uh, people you know, either can, they'll, they'll cancel in time. If they know they're going to lose, then they'll cancel. You know, anything else, um, you know, of course, it's, it's going to be fully refundable. And um, if it's a genuine error or genuine, uh, you know, that somebody's sick or they just can't make it. And um, I think it is just, just that element of, you know, if I don't go and if I don't cancel in a timely fashion, then they are going to charge me. But it's, you know yourself, Jerry, it's a very hard one to call because everybody's mm. going to ring with a legitimate... <laughs> legitimate reason yes. so you know we, it does it puts us in a in a in a bad position so i think just the main thing as i said there is just be on top of it you know get the confirmation in early of numbers and reductions uh check your emails for confirmations and um, because there's reminders coming through all the time for the the bookings as well so you know yeah well you, you're the spokesperson today let me afford you this title for all other hospitality venues across the northeast it's the same message for for everybody please 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 we want to say today cancel in time if you are canceling let the restaurant know that's the message simple yeah absolutely that's it and um you know it goes for everybody everybody you've heard it every single year and you hear it right across the country so um as you said there the main thing is get them in early and we'll be everybody be happy just on a, a final note before you leave us uh, you mentioned the energy costs there and they are enormous they've just jumped right through the roof what about this christmas in terms of people who have who are also facing you know huge energy bills extra costs all around how's business um, do you know what? I think in general, people are potentially saying, let's not think about it this side of Christmas. You know, I think that people are saying, you know, they haven't had a good Christmas or have, have had a proper Christmas, let's say, 
um, you know, everything's been open all the way through. Uh, no potential closures on the horizon. So I think people are saying, look, let's just enjoy it and then think about it in January. That's my general feel at, at the moment because um, certainly people are really showing support for um, both the cafe and for the restaurant. Um, and other people I've spoken to as well, the same business, they're saying, you know, people, they're, they're not afraid to spend at the moment, which is which is great. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, we totally appreciate that. Um, I do worry about going into January and February um, based on exactly that, because potentially people will tighten their purse strings um, after Christmas. And, you know, that coupled with the potential increase in the lower VAT rate uh, and everything else, you know, it does, it, you do we do get a little bit nervous, definitely thinking ahead, you know, but again, we're trying to just go day to day at the moment and hope that all the businesses survive because, you know, without the, without the cafes, the restaurants, um, pubs, whatever it is, you know, that's, that's people's, um, that's what people tend to live for, get out and socialize, you know? So, uh, I don't know, but to be honest, uh, Jerry, it's, it's hard to know what's around the corner, but in general, at the moment, people are definitely supporting the businesses. Two full weeks left. Do get out and support your local, your local restaurant, hospitality, etc. They need our support at this time. And as Damien says there, what would we, would we be without them? Ireland synonymous with our welcomes and our hospitality. I wish you well. I hope you have few cancellations between now and the Christmas and good luck for the new year. Thank you for joining me, Damien Leddy from Divine Restaurant. Brilliant, Jerry. Thanks a million. A Merry Christmas to you and everybody else. Yeah, good guy, real good guy himself and Sonia, real committed business people to hospitality. Um, There are worries, of course, for the new year and what that will bring. But for the moment, no shows, Louise. It's just not on, is it? It really, really isn't. No, you'd wonder what people are thinking. Do they even realise? I I think a lot of people just actually don't realise. And I mean, people get sick or people say can't come or whatever. That's fine. Just pick up the phone or send a quick email. Yes, as soon as you can. Or you don't know, you yeah. don't think you're going. Let them know because staff are on, food is in, everything. You know, Seating the, plans are done, yes, that's the main thing. Yes, You know, yes. if you told them they could rearrange and get other people in mm. sets of two or whatever. Yeah, so it is the message today. Don't, 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 don't do this. Don't just not show up. It really is the worst thing you can do. And it looks like a deposit will be required, you know, from uh, going forward with a lot of places to make sure that people do turn in. I'd never do it, would you? No, you would never do something like that. You're just too aware, aren't you? Um, I know I was meant to actually go out in Navin a few weeks ago with the two friends and one of them got very, very sick. So we decided to postpone and the other girl rang the restaurant just to... yeah. Say, look, I'm sorry, we can't make it. Yeah, that's understandable, but no so shows. It does happen. No shows are no go. 086-1800-658. If you've anything to say about that, we'd love to hear from you. Just reminding you, our best Christmas pudding in the North East competition is on again this year. You have a week tomorrow. they got to be in by the 20th. That's Tuesday the 20th, because judging is the 21st year. Our women with opinions are back to judge them this year. So if you make a pudding that you think is worthy of the title, if you know somebody who makes a pudding, get a good lump, a good chunk into us. We need a big slice. Or People send us in lovely little puddings, don't they, Louise? For whole puddings, yeah. little ones, big ones, you name it. Get them into us by tomorrow week. And you're in the hat. And salivate. Oh, Lord Almighty, it's just something else. And we have great pudding makers across the Northeast. And we get a great response every year. And we're looking forward to receiving them again this year. Oh, oh my God, there's somebody coming in already to talk to me. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yes, the uh, best Christmas pudding in the Northeast competition is open. But next week, next week, that's tomorrow week, we need your puddings in by. Send us in your puds, get them to us. And we have a monster hamper for the winner. And the title, the prestige of the title.
Well, you got a little. How pre- many titles have you had so far? Sorry. <laughs> how many many winners have there been? And has 13. anybody won twice? Thirteen. Thirteen winners, and I think one person won twice. We'll go really? back on that and check it. I think yeah. it was one perhaps winner, but we've had thirteen winners on late lunch, thirteen times. So this is year fourteen for the best mm-hmm. Christmas pudding in the northeast. So we're looking looking forward to getting them in again. Um, we'll take a short break and when we come back after the break we'll tell you about our competition this week on Late Lunch yes Christmas cuties are back thanks to Shoe City Miss Kylie Minogue on your Late Lunch with a wonderful Christmas song this Monday afternoon. Christmas cuties are back with thanks to Shoe City, Castle Blaney. Shoe City has all your footwear needs covered this Christmas time, whether it's men's, women's or children's, or even a gift voucher for a loved one. And to make things handy for you, they're open seven days a week until Christmas and have free parking. One of the most wonderful shoe stores I've ever been in, I have to say. And they are our sponsors of Christmas Cuties again this year. We have a voucher worth 250 euro that look after your feet for sure to give away to one of you. What do you do? We want you to, don't we want them to record their children, Louise? Isn't that it? And people are picking up from school at the mm-hmm. minute as we're on, aren't they? We're all they? in the car driving, so yes. parents, mammy or daddy or whoever's picking up the kids, just Record whip your phone it. out when when they're in the car, strapped yeah. in, whip the phone out, <laughs> sing a Christmas song and WhatsApp it into us. Make sure Don't you're delay, parked. Just get it done yeah, now. Make sure you're parked. Don't do it if you're driving. No. You have to be parked. That's the important <laughs> yeah. thing. So record it. Record it on your phone, please, uh, for us and send it in to us by WhatsApp. That's 086-1800-658. WhatsApp it. Or you can email it to latelunch at lmfm.ie. We'll get it directly. That's latelunch at lmfm.ie by email or WhatsApp 086-1800-658. Let's have a listen to Miss Pippa Kelly, our first Christmas cutie. Here we go. Happy weather, Cole. The blue Our little anthem. One more time. <laughs> That's Miss Pippa Kelly, my granddaughter, one of my granddaughters, uh, with her rendition uh, of her Christmas song. And just, she's only off the stage from her Christmas party. And I heard she was brilliant. I heard she oh, was brilliant. played and, this oh, morning, was it? Yes, just the Christmas, the Christmas uh, play, sorry, uh, concert, the Christmas concert in the Maples. The Maples, wonderful, wonderful play school, is just She's finished. singing that song? And she was singing, that's one of the songs, oh. she was, and she was practising and rehearsing for it. Well done, Pippa, lovely. Now, let's hear our next cutie, and I'll tell you who it is when we have a listen. Let's have a little listen. There were shepherds looking out on the field. There were shepherds looking out on the field. When an angel did appear in the sky in the glory of sunshine around. And the angel said to the shepherd, you mustn't be frightened, I'm giving you good news. And an angel said to the shepherd, like Jesus Christ, the Lord of the sun. Do, 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 do. There were shepherds looking out on the field. There were shepherds looking after the sheep. When an angel 
there's a fear in the sky and the glory of sunshine around. And the angels said to the shepherds, you mustn't be frightened, I'm giving you good news. One an angel said to the shepherds, and it was like Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the Lord. Do, 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 do. There were shepherds looking after the sheep when an angel did appear in the sky in the glory of sunshine around. Oh, I just love our Katrina. Do, 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 do. I, that 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 is just fantastic altogether. <laughs> Great song, isn't, isn't it? she lovely? It's a bit of an oldie one. It is, it is, but it still is lovely today. I have to say, as it ever was. Have you a little one that can sing? We want Christmas songs. We're looking for Christmas songs this Christmas time from your children on their own, with their friends, in a group, whatever way you can do it. Record them. Get them to us. WhatsApp it in. 086-1800-658 or email latelunch at lmfm.ie and once we play here, Louise, and this is the agreement, Mm -hmm. once you are played on Late Lunch and we'll play them all, we want to play them all, in you go to the draw at the end of the week and we'll pick a winner for that Shoe City voucher worth €250. Euro. It's on the cusp of Christmas now at this stage. I was just thinking this day, two weeks, Stevens's day, you can put the feet up and relax for all home cooks, etc. and enjoy a second day when you're not under pressure. But that's for two weeks' time. We still have lots to talk about on late lunch between now and then. And I'm delighted to welcome back to the show today a man who knows all about Christmas traditions. He's a brilliant folk. Michael Fortune, happy Christmas to you. Same to you, and thanks for having me on. Not at all, you're welcome to the show. So we're going to reflect on a few things from yesteryear first uh, that persist today. Is holly, buried holly, still a thing, Michael? Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's a, it's a very, very strong in Ireland. Uh, a lot of people, especially older people, will always, Christmas is not complete without holly. In some ways, it uh, it was. It's more important than the Christmas tree for for a lot of people, um, and you'd be surprised as well, Jerry. It wasn't a lot of people re- wouldn't have had a Christmas tree growing up. So holly was always a thing. Holly and ivy, if you get it, and buried holly, and that was that was that was the key. Yeah, the ivy. I'm glad you mentioned too, because I put up a little crib that I made years ago in the house, and I always put the ivy and the holly round it. It just gives it a lovely effect. So it still persists. It's not just a minority thing, Michael. No, not at all. And funny, um, it's, I suppose it's always a bit, a bit of a, a tradition around going out and getting the holly on Christmas Eve. That was the case with us, and I'm sure in, in, up in, in Eden Loud would be the same. Um, and you wouldn't get it. I know Christmas starts way earlier these, these days, but back in especially the older people who remember that it was the holly came in around Christmas Eve yeah. and it went up that day, um, and then it stayed up for the 12 days of Christmas. And I suppose if you had it up too early, sure, it'd wither away on you. So that's to, to, it made sense, you know. Um, there's also a challenge as well. People love going out through the fields. You'd always have everyone mm. have their spot me on for our Harry spot, and you'd know what fields to go to to get a bit of berry holly. And it was also a great tradition as well of bringing a bit around to the older people, people who wouldn't have couldn't get out to the fields anymore. And she'll still see in the town today. I'm sure you see them up in Loudonmead as well. Your part of the country, there'll always be someone selling a holly wreath at the, yes. on, the, on a car boot somewhere yeah. uh, in, in, in the towns. So it's still, still with us. And, and, and something you mentioned that the 12 days of Christmas, you see, that's a tradition, as you say, that started on Christmas Eve. But should the 12 days of Christmas start uh, in September with some people in October, Michael? Is that, that's heresy, is it? 
Ack, mute me. Listen, whatever gets you through the night, I think I, I'm a great believer in that. You're you know, right. Seriously, we, we can't be, we can't be people, you know. We're in the dark and depths of winter and, you know, yes. people, the reason why we do this stuff is to cheer ourselves up and to light ourselves up. So you can understand it, you know. Some yeah. people, I, I, I'll be honest with you, probably like a lot of people, you're, you're running towards Christmas and I actually love having Christmas Day off and I love having a bit of time off then. So that to me is special. Those days after Christmas are special to yeah. me. Yeah, those 12 days for sure. Um there's a tradition. Talk to me about this. And I was only talking on Friday to Darren McCullough about turkeys and the whole bird flu thing. You know what I mean? And people concerned about t- birds this year and that. What was this thing about posting turkeys to England? I know. Come here. If you, if you, if you said that to someone nowadays, at laugh at you. You know, this idea. But every county in the country, I suppose, it went on until, until the early 80s. I've come across people. But I suppose the heyday when people were leaving here from work, my own father, they all went to England for work in the 50s and 60s. And the mammies were home here in Ireland. Actually, the mammies were sending over the turkeys to the, to the sons and daughters and to the, the aunts were sending them over. So they were sending over turkeys, I, I, you know, nothing, not, nothing frozen. Literally, some sewed up with stuff, just put into bags, brought to the post office and sent on the boat over to England. So that's hard to imagine, but that was common in every county in the country. Um, I've heard of some people at Mayo telling me that it was, it was a great chance as well to stick a bottle of putching up the... Up the <laughs> And now I know why we sing that song with a little variation. Stuff the turkeys, you know what, with a bottle of potching. <laughs> so it was a way of getting contraband into the UK. Along with the, be a good old flavour of the turkey if she leaked, Michael. There was, and apparently there was a postal strike back sometime in the 70s, so I don't know how that, that fared out for the poor old craters <laughs> waiting in Coventry in Birmingham and London for their... For their <laughs> well, the turkey, oh jeez, by the time it arrived, it was probably rancid, but God helped them all together. But there you go, as you say, you'd laugh at that today, you know, to think that that, that was an actual, such a strong tradition, and up till the 80s, yeah? Yeah, I've come across some people in Mayo said it'll the 80s. You see, with the turkeys and geese and killing the turkeys and geese, there was also a great chance for for a lot of women, actually, back then. Especially a lot of women who weren't working, they were out to a working course, they were working for a rare house, they were wearing families, looking after the home, they were working. Mm. But they weren't, you know, out in the workforce, but they were, it was a way to make it, they called it pin money. A lot of people will remember this thing called pin money. So yes. you, you kept a few geese and a few turkeys and you sold them on. Um, but, you know, it's funny, I look back, Jerry, and I look, you look on television now and you see this people getting themselves into knots about the amount of food for Christmas and if you talk to it sometimes it was lovely listening to your earlier piece there with the little one singing and sometimes it's lovely to if you step back a little bit and pull back a little bit and talk to the, even the older people that are, that are around you still and talk to them but what did you have for Christmas and mm. you'd be surprised like they were lucky if they had a, 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 a my father said they were lucky if they had a half a pig's head and they'd be like, lucky to have the goose you know and yeah. maybe two, two or three vegetables that, that's all they had Mm. Um, so sometimes we need to be, I suppose, grateful of what we have, uh, if, if, if we yes. can at all. There was no Tesco or Marks and Spencer Nibbles in them days, for sure. That no. is, That is a fact of it. When did the name, when I was growing up, I knew the man with the white beard and the red suit that is so busy at the moment, Michael, in the North Pole, getting ready to bring all the toys to the children. I knew him as Santy. No, well, so did I, and I'm glad we were talking about these decades of centenary, the, the decades of centenary, the, 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 end of the, end, the end of the civil war, the commemorations, events for that. But I think that's the biggest civil war thing that's going on in Ireland still. Whether you call him Santi or Santa, I always call him Santi. In our house, he's called Santi. Um, you know, there's no right or wrong. The man will still come and give you your presents, uh, Jerry. But he's uh, we we always call him Santi. And if you look back at the old, um, God, you look at the old, some of the old American early American references, he was Santi as well. But somewhere along the line, the man, his name. Some people call him Santa, 
But as I said to you, no matter what you call him, you want you post your letter, <laughs> your presence will come to, to, to whichever way you address it. It will indeed. It just shows you the way it changed. I'd say there's a bit of commercialism and marketing and Americanism in that Santa thing. But Santa he was, and I'm glad you you had the same name as well. What is Hansel money, please tell me, Michael? Yeah, well, come here. Somebody, it's, 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 your part of the country and up in the Ulster, that would be it's strong there and obviously strong in Scotland. The first Monday in the New Year, Jerry, is always known as Hansel Monday. And Hansel Monday, even to this day, you find right in the middle of these states in Dublin, in working class areas in Dublin, people will Hansel a child. So even if you're giving the child who's making a Holy Communion or a confirmation, even in the middle of the summer, you know, you'll give them a little coin in their bag or a purse. But on the first Monday of the New Year, a lot of people will still give a child a coin for good luck. But they also say in this, on the opposite side of that, I said, you don't pay any bills on that day. So just warn your listeners there now, after Hansel Monday, look at your calendar, the first Monday of the New Year, don't pay out any money because it's going to be paying out money for the rest of the year. But it's a, <laughs> it's a lovely tradition. There's, there's another lovely one as well where they keep a bit of straw in the crib. Yes. Yeah. Again, related to money as well, where you said if you get a bit of the straw in the crib or, or if someone gives it to you, so if you give me a bit, then I've got to look and I'm sticking into the, the wallet or up at the bank cards there and, and uh, with the hope that I'll have money coming into me for the rest of the year. Well, you know, our Louise uh, told me about that one and she brought me in straw from a crib as well and gave it to me and I had to do the vice versa for her. I had to go and gather straw in a crib and I kept it in me little little wallet, little uh, card, my card holder for for the year. And she did, I'm sure she, Louise, did you keep it? Uh, have you the straw from last year still in your purse? Yeah, actually, I think it's in my pocket. Is it? <laughs> she's rooting. Actually, she's rooting. I am. <laughs> my, Michael, and she has it. Look, she's after pulling the straw yeah, from the her pocket. Crib, my, I think, in the pocket. Michael, would you believe it? Keep me hands warm. Fire hazard. <laughs> and and I don't know whether about how were uh, them jeans washed during the year. I hope the way. No, it was the pocket of my coat. Oh, sorry, it's in your coat. Yeah, it's, it's all that, right. That big lagging right. jacket it's that right. you, I take out jeans. every now and again. It's in the in the lagging jacket. She's on with the weather at the minute. But you did, Louise, didn't you? You you. I never knew about that tradition till you told me. Yeah, and wasn't there a thing there where I told you you had to take the straw from three different cribs? But then somebody came on and said, no, it was only one. One. But some in, in some parts, like my mum said, it was three cribs. Go so. to three cribs mm. and a little piece from each and give it to the person. Yeah. Did it bring you any good fortune during the year? I'm sure it did. Yeah. Thankfully, I've never run out of money. Yeah. I've never been destitute. I haven't won the lotto, but, y- Yes, know. I know. And I'd have to say the same, Michael, that I feel, you know, the straw has been good to me. Is that, is that just superstition on our part or do you think it's really happened because of the straw? Uh, come here, it's superstition. I, I, I have a piece of the exact same as you, Jerry, stuck in between the bank cards and the phone wallet. And I'm sure it's, it's, it's cheap insurance, it's light to carry, and it keeps the bank cards in place and stops the phone out. So. <laughs> so you see there is benefit for it no matter what way you're looking at well isn't that just bait banner that Louise had the straw in the pocket of the coat it really does bait banner there's no doubt about that at all and by extension Michael if we go a little bit you mentioned uh, the Hansel money and this first Monday which is the 2nd of January 2023 I know it's a little bit off but Nullug the Mon still holds down your neck of the woods in the south of the country especially yeah, no, it's very strong in Munster now. Come here to me, my mother and father, where we grew up, we always had, we called it Little Christmas. And to be honest with you, I think the majority of people around Ireland, I'd say 
85 to 90% of the people called it Little Christmas or Old Christmas. Mm. So, like, the man is very strong in, in, in Cork and Kerry, in pockets of Cork and Kerry, and Clare and Tipperary, just with the pockets of Springfield and Tipperary. Now it's become more and more popular. Um, but we always called it that. That was always the end of Christmas. In our house at home, we'd always have another dinner that day. That was always the case. And I know people say this kind of, you get these stories going out that the women had the day off. And I can tell you one thing, my father couldn't buy this bud, so there was no day off for my mother in our house. <laughs> and I think that you'd be, you'd be, you wouldn't be doing, you know what I mean? So, so, so yeah. they didn't have a day off. They deserved a day off because women make Christmas. Everyone tells you that. that, that anyone, as you're getting older, only for women you wouldn't have Christmas, you know, only for the mammies. Um, but so, yeah, so they deserved a day off, but it wasn't always the case. But whichever way you mark it, um, it's a yeah. It's 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 nice to kind of end. I actually think Jerry, it's nice to end Christmas, and then sure the following day, then you take down the decorations and yes, um, yeah. Um, but it's nice. It's nice to run for the twelve days of Christmas. I always like to. I like the the, the ah the, for sure, for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a tremendous tradition. Now, as an aside, before we finish, your calendar is out for the new year. Uh, we spoke early in the year about a wonderful project you did about dressers, the the dresser in the kitchen, and I was just looking at a video this morning, a lovely one, Marching and. Kathleen Mwelod from Rathcarn in County Mead. You, you visited them and talked to them. And, and Martin and his dad made a number of dresses and there's one still in their kitchen. And you know what I was thinking, Michael? Didn't we throw out a dresser we had a few years ago? Should have held on to it, shouldn't I? It's funny, I had a, I had a phone call from a man from Mead telling me the exact same this morning. He's got a man living in Wicklow, he had the same thing. He said he grew up in Mead and the dresser. He said, I have to check now. Is that dresser going out of the house or not? But he was sure it was thrown out. Mm. Yeah, Martin, then were, were, there were, um, I was on with you because I was doing research trying to yes. find Mead dressers. And since I was talking to you, sure, I've ended up documenting 2025 dressers in people's homes around County Mead. And in this year's Irish dresser and folklore calendar, I've got three Mead dressers out of the 14 featured, just three Mead dressers. And Martin and the wife were amazing because they were of the Connemara families that moved to County Mead back in the 30s. 40s, 50s, and he still makes the dressers. And it was amazing to come across a man still making the dressers, mm. you know. And it made his wedding presents, Jerry. So he made it for his wife, and he also made one for his daughter, and his own father made one for his his wife, or his, his mother. Yes. So it was a lovely, lovely tradition. But it was, I commit it was just a, a gem to go around County Mead to see some just. Just, just different. They look different. They're made different than the rest of the country. You know, you spot little, little quirks. You know. Yeah, and and Martin's was made actually out of different timbers. The one he has in his house, I saw that, and it was him and his dad. He'll always have it to his memory. The other thing about dressers is, Michael, it's the dresser itself is one thing, but what adorns it, you know, when you see the plates and uh, you know teapots and all the little things that go back years, generations in families. Absolutely, they're like these museum pieces. I'm yep. looking at a photograph of Martin now, and I know that if he was standing here beside me, he'd be pointing out to the certain things. And I know, I know that one of the jokes was his his mother, his his wife's mother's jug. Um, yeah, uh, so ab- absolutely, they're like little museums. They're like museums in their own houses. Um, and I suppose people now we're seeing the value in them. And I suppose even by you thinking of that yourself, going, "God, why did I throw it out?" Mm. I suppose we're we're reflecting. Um, but I'm, I've always been surprised, Jerry. I, I kind of find that men seem to men get men get older. They're more attractive than the women. Mm. I was always expecting the opposite, you know, yes. because of the women's home. Everything through the kitchen was there, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was lovely, absolutely lovely. And just one thing to let your listeners know as well, every month then that I have there, so there's a photograph address for in the calendar, but then I may have 15 or 20 little folklore dates thrown in between it. And literally that's what I'm doing here with you. Now I've got December opened up and when you're talking to me and I can just talk about any of those little things. So it's actually it's actually a, a design that so it works for myself as well as well as well for everyone else. Oh, it's a fantastic. Irish dresser and folklore calendar. Where can it be got, Michael? 
Yeah, in, um, in online, unfortunately, there's no seller in, up in County Mead yes. allowed. Um, so the only place to get online, and it's free postage in Ireland at the moment, so it's thedresserproject.ie, thedresserproject.ie is the website, and they're just 15 euros, and I've got four boxes left, and I want to see the last of them before Christmas. So I'd be delighted to find if they could find a new home in County Mead allowed. They will indeed. You're always a pleasure to talk to. You bring back great memories, and long may the traditions live on, and good luck to you at all uh, that you bring to all us and the projects you have on the burner in 2023. Thank you for joining me again, Michael, and happy Christmas. Same to you. Thanks a million, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Michael Fortune. Brilliant guy, folklorist, Irish dresser and folklore calendar, thedresserproject.ie, if you'd like one. There's only one woman left standing in the mm-hmm. World Cup, and her name is Louise Walsh. What does Jerry Kelly or David Sheehan know about sport? Absolutely me, nothing. You thought I knew nothing about sport. I really have a degree. Well, you certainly have because (laughs) it just fell apart for me the weekend. Brazil out, Portugal out and your two played each other. You could have, if they weren't playing each other, who knows what would have happened. It was a bad tempered game, wasn't it? It was a great game, but yeah, it was so bad. Oh, bad. There's history there, Louise. There's history going back and it came out again. Uh, But you're through with Argentina who now played Croatia and in the other semi-final, it's the surprise kids on the block. Morocco against France. England were unlucky. They were unlucky. They were, I felt They were unlucky. They really were. They played so well, but Mm -hmm. there you have it. They're out. Anyway, you're still going. And can you believe I watched one of the matches on my own? Me. I actually went in, sat down without being coerced in any way. Normally, I as I was telling you, I'd walk in, the match would be going on, I'd leave and they'd be going, where are you going? And I'd say, oh, there's paint drying in the next room. Like, I don't do that. But yeah, Listen, you have converted me. Your sporting prowess is growing by the day on this show. <laughs> you don't understand how much it's climbing to the stratosphere. Anyway, Louise is still there with Argentina. And will it be? Don't cry for me, our Martina, this year. Well, let's see. It could well be. Argentina-France final would be great. But the way the World Cup has gone, Louise, oh, it could be Morocco. Croatia, mm. you just wouldn't know, to be honest with you, at this stage. The straw thing is interesting. Jerry, we were told, John says he is the straw from last year's Clarehead crib still in his wallet, so he's still hoping. Do the lotto, John. You still have a few weeks before the end of the year and the crib straw changes. Uh, Maggie's been on to say, Jerry, we were also told if you gave a present of a purse or a wallet or a handbag, you should always hansel it and it would never be empty. You know, that's what we were talking about yeah. with uh, Michael, the coin. You know, you should always hansel it, give a coin I'll put a coin into the bag or the purse or the wallet when you're giving it as a gift and it'll never be empty. I was always told you never buy yourself a purse or a wallet. You always get somebody else to buy it for you. To buy it for you. Yeah. And it might be just the same that you put a little bit of money Ah, as you give it as a gift. I don't know. But it's unlucky to buy yourself a wallet. Right. I never heard that word Hansel till today no. with Michael. I didn't, I'd never heard of it before, but I'm I did look it up. And, Gretel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up in the last few minutes and it is a big tradition, especially in Scotland, that first Monday of the, of the new mm. year. And as he said, the Ulster area of Ireland as well. Thank you for all your comments. We love them. Thank you for your cuties. They're coming in to 086-1800-658. If you're collecting them from school, record them singing a Christmas song, send it to us and you could win a 250 euro Virgil for Shoe City in Castle Blaney. Wonderful store, wonderful people there. Get them into us 086 658 or you can email them to late lunch, late lunch at lmfm.ie. Louise Neil Diamond, we love him on late lunch, don't we? He was my artist of the week many moons ago on the show. 
there's a new musical has yeah. opened on Broadway called Beautiful Noise. And it's about the life and times of Neil Devitt. It's like the ABBA. Did you ever see ABBA the musical? Or no. ABBA the movie? No? Either? No? Mamma Mia the musical. Sorry, yeah. Mamma Mia the musical and Mamma Mia the movie. Did you? know? Yes. Yeah, you have. Okay. The musical is fantastic and it's like the movie. It's just ABBA songs one after the other. Mm-hmm. I take it that Beautiful Noise from Neil Diamond will be just wall-to-wall songs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it had its premiere on Broadway uh, in the last week and the standing ovation just nearly had to tell them to get out of the theatre. They, they just stood on their feet and danced and clapped and, and it was so brilliant. But something happened then that was even more brilliant, Louise, on the first night. Who was in one of the boxes in the theatre looking at the whole thing? Neil Diamond himself with his wife. And he hasn't performed since 2018 because he has Parkinson's. I was going to ask what he has. No, he hasn't performed. But guess what? He did. When the ovations finally died down, a microphone appeared and Louise hit it there. He sang this for the audience in the theatre live absolutely brilliant hasn't lost it hasn't was able to deliver it for all his trials and tribulations and they couldn't leave the theatre till the next morning it's Mr Neil Diamond where it began I can't begin to knowing but then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Hand Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you Mr. Neil Diamond on your late lunch this Monday afternoon and that is a musical theatre I hope to see please God someday beautiful noise opening on Broadway recently Need Lady Star picked up by Fremantle Dockers in Western Australia she signed for them she's been out there she's home for the Christmas and she's on the line on late lunch today welcome home Orla thanks very much thank you well how's it been Oh, it's been uh, fairly busy, to say the least, anyway. But um, no, it's been really good. Um, great experience, but it's always nice to come back to the Irish soil. Ah, good on you. There's nothing like home at Christmas time. And are you home because is the season over? Is there a break? What's happening? Yes, yeah, so the season finished there at the start of November. Um, so I came, I stayed over for a couple of weeks after and then came home to uh, enjoy the Christmas. And you're going back, I take it, in January? Uh, well, I'm not sure yet. Um, the pre-season doesn't start until May over there. Oh, right. So you have time. Yeah, hopefully pull a few strings and get a bit of Gaelic in. <laughs> ah, you see that? I know where the heart is. But you are going back. You're committed to go back when you know pre- for pre-season and, and the next uh, competitive season. Yeah, I um I'll be back for 
next season with them, yeah. Oh, Grant, sure, I thought you were only home for the Christmas, then you had a break and they had to head back. That's even better still, so you'll be able to get a bit of uh, game time in with the round ball. What's the adjustment been like with the different ball, different game, different rules? How have you found it? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been challenging, but I suppose challenging in a good way. It's kind of nice and refreshing to have something new and challenge yourself to um, a new environment as well. So it was more than just learning a game. I suppose it was your new surroundings, uh, new house, everything. So um, it was definitely a lot to take in and thrown in at the deep end. But I suppose that, that's the best way of learning sometimes. Hey, Orla, I'm just thinking, when you're here today in a fridge in Ireland, are you not yearning for Australia and the beautiful weather out there at the minute? Yeah, I'm definitely still climatising. <laughs> I'm wrapped up well with the with the winter woolies on. But, um, yeah, it, it was summer when I was leaving, so it was around 34, 35 <gasps> degrees. So it's definitely a bit of a change. What a drop. Minus five here today. Holy <laughs> God almighty, it's nearly 40 degrees of a difference. Mind yourself, definitely wrap up for sure. Yeah. What about your season with Fremantle Dockers? How did it go on the field? Yeah, it went... Well, from a personal um, point of view, it went well. Um, as a team, I suppose we suffered with a lot of injuries, so we were unfortunate enough this year. But um, yeah, it was a it was a really good experience, and we got on we got on well. Uh, but I suppose it's just the nature of the sport that it is. Injuries are fairly easy to mm. pick up, so we kind of we dropped in numbers throughout the season. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely a good good experience. And what about Fremantle itself? It's on in Western Australia on the coast. There, it's not a massive place. What about a population around thirty thousand or so? What's it like? Yeah, it's oh, it's a beautiful place. But I have to say, it was funny. From I was telling the girls over there from one end of Ireland to another, it's about a five hour drive. Whereas from one end of Perth to another could be a six or seven hour flight. So uh, even places within Perth um, could be up to a 14 hour drive. So it was definitely a big shock to the system for me when uh, when I landed over. Um, but a good, a good, um, good to see a different way to life and um, just a different environment I suppose mm, the vastness we can't you know we look at a map of the world and we still can't get our head round <laughs> the vastness of the place which you have actually being out there was Anya tie from Leitrim there when you went out she is yeah um, I was really lucky as well to meet Anya in Ireland before I headed over so uh, she took me in under her wing and showed me the ropes that's great to have that uh, connection with home there as well. Vicky Wall is still out there, I believe, at the moment. She is, yeah. She's um, doing a bit of sightseeing. <laughs> is she? <laughs> Good on you, Vicky. Good woman yourself. She's in Melbourne, is it? Yeah, quite away from where you are. Yeah, it would be a four-hour flight. Yeah, God Almighty, it's a, it's a hell of a distance away as well. So, besides playing for Fremantle, did you do anything else in the way of occupying your time? Uh, yeah, so I was lucky to have a, a bit of a part-time job. So, it would be going out to different schools and kind of coaching. And I suppose schools that would be out in the outback that wouldn't really have a chance to come in and 
learn the sport so we were just kind of going around promoting it but I suppose I was learning as much as them nearly as I was going along between the rules and everything else But isn't that life education is a two way process which is great to hear you learn they're learning from you as well terrific so your days were pretty full on that did you do anything downtime did you uh, you know you're a young woman were you out and about socialising did you pick up anything else to do while you were there yeah, um, well, I suppose a, a beautiful thing about Perth is the the beaches. Mm. Uh, I suppose we wouldn't be too uh, we wouldn't have too many over here in Mead. So um, I made the most of that, um, and yeah, I suppose I got to live kind of the Australian lifestyle. I was living with two Australians on the team, so it was kind of nice to uh, see a different way of life and. Um, kind of go around with them for a while as well. Yeah. Did you did you miss Ireland? Did you miss your friends, miss your family? Was that was that difficult to deal with? You know, when you make a big move like this and all the success you had with Mead ladies and the love that surrounded you, were there times you found it challenging or did you just go with the flow? Um I think yeah, there's definitely times that you find it challenging and you're kind of you're questioning yourself questioning yourself and you're like, geez, what what am I doing? Um, but I suppose I was so lucky with the Mead girls that they were all so supportive and the same with my friends and family and I suppose with the beauty of technology these days I knew they were only a phone call away if I needed anything um, but yeah it's definitely definitely difficult without um, I suppose your, your nearest and dearest but uh, definitely it was worth it coming back and getting to see them and everything yeah, it's a great life experience for you too as well to go out there and, and, and you know, live in a different place with different people, a different culture, etc., different sport and uh, lifestyle as well. And of course, social media, come on, you must have been on that phone. I, I must go back. Can we go back and check your, your screen time when you're out there? Yeah, I'd say it'd be high enough now. <laughs> I'd say it was. Yeah, although the time difference was a bit of a... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, pain, I suppose, sometimes because mm. I think there's something like eight hours now um, with time difference, but I suppose yeah. there's no harm either. Yeah, people this side saying, Jesus, what's Orla Lally at out there? Will you look at the ungodly hour? She's in touch with us. But anyway, so that's the way it works with with the big time difference. But back to today and being home and on the cusp of Christmas. uh, The love, I have a huge love, I have to say myself, for Christmas time and family and being at home. I take it you have too. Yeah, definitely. And I think being away makes you really appreciate everything that you have at home and even as I said with the Mead girls, like obviously we appreciate the the success we've had, but when you're away and realise what we do is the same as they're doing over in Australia with AFL, but like they're obviously getting paid and uh, it's a professional sport over there. So I suppose coming back after that experience, I was like what we have achieved and what we get to do is really, um, really special considering that we don't technically get much out of it as regards um, mm. like money or uh, stuff like that. And the fact that we do it for ourselves and give up our time, it just it really makes you love it and 
to a new level. Yes, of course. And that that's uh, something interesting that's been brought home to you with your time over there. Well, listen, you're very good to take our call today. Last minute stuff, of course, from us here. And uh, it's uh, you're always very good to us on LMFM Radio and the late lunch as well. Delighted to catch up with you that you're home. Happy Christmas to you. All the best for the new year and enjoy being home at this time and all that the new year will bring you away wherever you go or wherever life takes you. Thank you so much, Orla. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Take care. That's uh, the lovely Orla Lally there. Me, GAA star, home from Fremantle for the Christmas time. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Christmas cuties, have you children that'll sing Christmas for us? 086-1800-658 or latelunch at lmfm.ie. WhatsApp us or email in the audio of your children singing. There's a €250 voucher from Shoe City up for grabs. Let's have a listen to some more cuties. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all the way. One is on the head, one has open sleigh. Hey! Away in a manger, no Wouldn't they do your heart good? Lovely, lovely little voices there. That's a selection of our cuties from yesteryear. Have you children that'll sing for us? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or WhatsApp, WhatsApp, WhatsApp or email to latelunch at lmfm.ie. After three, Artist of the Week, a cracker and children's author, Valinora Troy. But taking us there, it's the wonderful Sarah Bareilles. Winter song. This is beautiful. This is my winter song to you. The storm is coming soon. The rolling from the sea. My voice a beacon in the night. My words will be your light to carry to me. Is love alive? Is love alive? Is love? Late lunch, LMFM Radio. It's time for this this Monday afternoon. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week My Artist of the Week this week became more famous after she died 
at the all too young age of 33 in 1996. Who am I talking about? Up until then, she was barely heard of or known outside of Washington, where she was born, lived and grew up. In fact, it was 1998, almost two years after her passing, that the world became aware of the woman, the musician, the wonderful voice that is and was Ava Cassidy. She's my artist of the week this week. And, you know, it was Mike Harding and Terry Wogan on BBC Radio 2 who came across her and her music and played Fields of Gold and Somewhere Over the Rainbow. When they did that, that's what saw her songs and music really take off. Her posthumous released recordings saw Ava Cassidy top the singles and album charts in the UK with sales worldwide topping in excess of 10 million. I begin my week of Ava in music with her brilliant cover of the recently departed Christine McVie written Fleetwood Mac song called Songbird. Cassidy, simply beautiful version of the Christine McVie song, even my artist of the week this week. I'm looking forward to her music and I'll tell you more about her as we move on through the week. Uh, John McGuinness has been on to say, sure thing, John, don't forget the birds, Jerry. Will you remind listeners they can't survive below minus seven degrees? Feed them to help the birds, our feathered friends, uh, this weather. Very, very important indeed. My next guest grew up in beautiful Black Rock in County Loud. She now lives in Dunlear and she's a second generation children's writer. I'm delighted to say hello to Valinora Troy. Valinora, afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you very much. That was a lovely introduction. <laughs> Not at all. Thank you for joining me on the show. It's unusual. Your mother, Jerry Valentine, was yes. also a children's writer. Did, did you feel you were destined to become one? Did she have a hand in you becoming one? Oh, I think so. She um, we grew, grew up in a house of books, so I'm one of ten children, so it's fifth in the family. So we were always encouraged to read and to write as we were growing up. Now, my mother, um, she I think she was in writing when... The first few were born, by the time I came along, she was kind of busy with five children. So uh, it was really when most of us were grown up that she went back to writing. So I think, I actually think I had a hand in her, <laughs> her becoming a published writer because she wrote a story and I loved it and I really encouraged her to, to you know, write it, polish it off and submit it. In fact, her name is, it's, a, it's actually a pen name, but she called yes. it a surname Valentine in, in my honour. So... <laughs> There you go. I was wondering, I was going to ask you that was there a link between the two yes, names, but you've yes. answered it now perfectly for me. <laughs> what about you and your writing? When did you start? Just tell us a little bit about you. Yes, so I started writing when I was about six. Um, as I say, grew up in a house of books and stories, and the story popped into my head when I was about six. 
It was about a little girl who found a stone in her shoe, which actually turned out to be a magic diamond. So I got my copybook and my pencil and I asked my mother how to spell diamond and off I went. So I've been writing, I suppose, um, ever since. Mm. I, when I was growing up, I had always, I felt, I felt like it was a physical itch in my arm to actually go and write a story. So I jumped from one story to the next. Always wanted to get back to the story about the magic diamond. So then a few years ago, I actually went back to it. I rewrote it and now that was published last November. Isn't that just a great story that it's been there this time and now you come back to it and out you bring it. You're an indie publisher. You say it's going through a boom at the moment, really? It is, yes. Um, In fact, it's quite interesting. We were just talking about it the other day that um, now there's a case that sometimes traditional publishers come looking for uh, indie published mm. in, indie published authors and actually try and get the awesome contracts to take them on as well. Um, yeah. It's and I think as well with the advent of e-books, audio books. I mean, and there's so many tools now with indie publishing that makes it possible to produce your quality product, your quality book, and distribute it anywhere in the world. And not alone uh, is the lucky diamond out and has been. You've followed now with its sequel more recently, Revenge of Queen Rose. Does that yes. build on the lucky diamond story? It does, yes. So it's the same character. It picks up the story after the end of the first book. The first book is a standalone adventure. Yes. But there are five children meet the magical diamond in the fantasy world and the magical gifts and all kinds of monsters and danger. And there's also an evil queen who's chasing the diamond. So, mm. um, in the second book, they overcome her ploys. In the first book, in the second book, she's back and looking for revenge. Title a bit of a giveaway there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so the children have to go and protect the diamonds again. Lovely, lovely, lovely. The way it moves on. Eight to twelve year old. Would that be yeah. about the age for both it of them? Be. Yeah. yeah. Okay, lovely age and they're really picking up the reading at that stage and, and enjoying books so much. Don't children, despite all the technology, and I know as you said, audio books are there, you can read them online, but I always say again, you can't beat the hard copy of a book and you know, no matter what comes or goes, I see it with Ava, my granddaughter and that, and her friends, they love reading books. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. I, I, I can't compare. You can't. I, I mean, I read loads of e-books, but the physical book is just yes. special. But I see that with kids. And I know a lot of parents don't let their kids actually read e-books. They insist on having a physical book. But kids are loving it. I mean, I've done some school visits and the kids are just so keen and enthusiastic to get hold of a book. Mm, because that is a thing that has really brought you to the fore, uh, going around the schools, yeah. uh, you know what I mean, the readings, uh, hosting writing classes yeah, for young yeah. writers and for loud libraries as well, loud county libraries. They're brilliant people there. Yes, and I have to say that the kids of County Loud are excellent writers. I was really impressed by the standard. Good on you. Well, that yeah, is really good. good to hear in this age of when you think that they're actually not writing, or, you know what I mean, are not using the pen and the paper as well. Um, for, for you and your books, I have to mention the, the illustrator because she's picked up uh, awards for the illustrations. Yes, yeah, so the covers of both books were finalists in the Wishing Shelf Cover Award um, and that's competition that's actually jumped by ki- judged by kids. Ah, she was a finalist in that. There you go. And Elizabeth Eckstein is her name, and yes. she's a brilliant, brilliant artist. And of course, the artwork brings so much of the, to the books as well. I take it you're now on uh, on the road of publishing even more. You have more on the pipeline. Absolutely, I have two books planned to be published in 2023, but I have another four or five 
books and first draft. I have a list of about 20 ideas of, you know, these stories at me. They come and write us, you know. Yes. So I'll be busy the next few years. You will. And, and, and writing and the way you write, you mentioned those ideas from your childhood that you brought to life now at this time. Where do you get your, your thoughts and ideas from? What's most inspiring for you? Um, I suppose they just seem to pop into my head. I suppose we're all influenced by everything we see or we read, you know, even subconsciously. But just, the, yeah. I suppose it's around the questions of what if, you know, what if mm. that happened? Mm. And you kind of explore and how would they deal with that? And maybe this would happen and, you know, and just nice to kind of make up all these crazy wild things and throw them into a book. <laughs> yeah. Not throw them in, of course, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And as regards distribution of your books, um, they're, I know they're in Waterstones in Scotch Hall, they're in Row River Books in Park Street and Dundalk, yeah. and Bookhaven in Dublin. Uh, yeah. And any branch there, you can get them. Online, I take it as well. Yes, absolutely. You can get them in, well, Amazon, obviously. Um, there's a company called bookshop.org. I don't know if you've come across it. Mm. They are, I suppose, a way of supporting independent bookstores. And yes. yes, giving you the convenience of online. So they give a percentage of their profits to local bookstores. Very you can nominate. good. Yeah. You can actually get my book in any, if you go into any bookstore and ask them, they'll probably be able to source it for you. Mm. I've had people in Australia walking into a bookshop in Australia and asking for my book. Ah. You know, it's small world, and and it just shows you where the reach uh, goes right round this little globe of ours. And and, and going back to India, uh, if if you got a tap on the shoulder from publishers, well, you'd be delighted with that, wouldn't you? Uh, I'd have to think about it. Oh, would you? <laughs> would you would, really? I would. Yeah. I would. I tell you, the advantage of indie publishing is that you have full creative control. Yeah. Um. So you can control your publishing schedule, and you can control, obviously the story I mean mm. uh, you know mm. on the other hand you have to take it seriously as a business yes. you, know, you have to look at your distribution your marketing yeah. your sales and all that kind of stuff so there's that as well so yeah it'd be a big decision to make yeah. you know on the one hand I see what you're saying and yeah. what you'd like but you know when a publishing house does come of repute and they suddenly take you on and then yeah. God knows where that leads <laughs> but anyway that would be a lovely decision for you to have to make well, exactly. whenever yeah. that actually <laughs> happens dream. it would indeed yeah. it'd, be yeah. the, it'd be the dream alright yeah. so anyway the books are available in the local shops there they're available online and just to remind you again they're for 8 to 12 year olds and there's two in the series at the moment the Lucky Diamond and their children's fantasy books and uh, the second one is out now Revenge of Queen Rose and they're by local author Valinora Troy check them out lovely to talk to you I'll be back to you again I promise down the road Great, thanks very much, Terry. Appreciate that. Thanks Thank you for joining me. Take care now. Bye bye. That's the lovely Valinora Troy, originally from Black Rock in County Loud, living in Dunlear with two lovely books this Christmas time for children between the ages of 8 and 12. Now, late lunch tomorrow, Tuesday. What's happening? The Butcher will explain tomorrow. Thomas Doherty from Kells is with us. Tony Connellan is in the house. His cars of the year he'll bring to us. We have your two on Tuesday. What will it be? And keeping warm in cold conditions. We want to hear from you about that tomorrow. And don't forget our Christmas cuties, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp them or you can email them to lunch at lmfm.ie. Eddie Caffrey's back on LMFM Radio this afternoon with The Drive. Stay with us here, but we'll be back tomorrow, one thirty with you and for you. See you then. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.